0: Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Another interesting fun week in the markets that we've seen comes as no surprise. We had a huge kill last week. and And where are we sitting at the beef numbers? Talk that maybe some highest numbers we've seen since last year. We're going to talk about that and what's happening with the supply issues and a lot more on today's episode. As Brad Coima joins me, he's with Coima, Coima, and Varlick out of Sioux Center, Iowa. Let's start out talking uh, highest numbers uh, since November 30th of last year for these beef.
1: Yes, box beef this morning was the highest it's been since the 30th of November. Um, i guess i just bring it up because i think a lot of uh, folks have been talking about uh, you know what has there been demand destruction with five dollar gas the inflation uh, uh, you know all the worries of, of, of the impacts of that which are very real of course um but to give you some perspective historically the the usually the one of the highest price times for beef is around mother's day right first nice weather uh, first grilling thing uh, but you got Mother's Day, which is a huge beef feature weekend, followed by Memorial Day, followed by Father's Day, okay? So, anyway, in that window, beef was trading in the high 250, like 258 to 262. Coming this morning, we're at 272 on the beef. So... I guess I just bring it up because sometimes I think all this propaganda about, you know, oh, poor us if you're the packer and our demand is really, we're really worried about it. Demand is great. Don't let them kid you. Um, and, and it's good for the grind meat too. Uh, the hamburger meat is, is really, really moving. Suicide. So, I mean, to go right through the doldrums of summer, and maybe we'll get a little setback. I, you know, if that's what the, well, yeah, I could lose a little bit of money, whatever. It was down a little bit today. But, I mean, from a from a general standpoint, demand is alive and well.
0: Well, I want to talk a little bit about that because we hear so much talk about inflation, recession, consumers pulling back because of gas prices. Now, it's nice to see gas, you know, around us 4.15, 4.20 a gallon, but it's not like that all across the country. So, how much of an influence is that going to continue to play on these markets?
1: Well, it yes, it's actually below $4 where I'm from, um, believe it or not. Um, But, yes, in California, it's not. Um, So, boy, you know, you got a great question, and I hesitate to be my usual glib, smart aleck self. Oh, come on. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but you'd be disappointed, right? Um, I'm starting to wonder whether or not parts of this demand is a little less sensitive to recession and inflation. Is there a part of the populace that got used to eating ribeyes and New York strips and cooking them themselves? And do they still have some money in their pocket left over from the whole COVID situation, right? Uh, Where there was a lot of money thrown around. Um, It appears that that has kind of sustained some of this middle meat demand through the deal. Um, And when you usually talk about recession stuff and where people are you know budget conscious which i understand um that actually is where the hamburger side of this thing has really uh shown um when you yeah i don't go to the grocery much but they tell me chicken is about high enough pork generally speaking is about high enough in relation to the grinding meats of that hamburger if you really were choosing to pick up an entree for the family is very competitively priced compared to the competing meat so um yeah if we go into something like 2008 um uh, which i don't think that's the kind of recession we're going into i mean that was devastating right the whole i mean Lynch, bear stearns all, you know i mean financial institution after institution going down and and a wreck with the whole housing thing with uh, that whole lending thing i don't think we're in that kind of a situation hopefully this recession that we're in already which we are uh uh, is milder and, and we end it sooner than what that situation was
0: you were talking about some huge kills uh last week were those huge kills more to the north versus the south because of the south's tight numbers
1: uh, no, actually, I think that the big numbers coming out of the South continue to be a burden on the market, Susan. Um, but yes, the kill at six seventy—I believe it was your vice at six seventy-four—is uh, the biggest kill of the year. Um, and I only bring that up because that was such a big talking point that we had there for a year and a half, right? You know, we're coming out of the COVID pandemic. You can't get anybody to go to work, or even if when they were healthy enough to go to work, they didn't feel like going to work because they're getting this big free money deal all the time, right? So nobody felt like working. So now. So that's good. First of all, we're showing that the the, the industry is become very efficient with the ability to get uh, cattle harvested. Secondly, packers don't do this for kicks. Okay, you know they don't have a big Saturday kill where they got to pay extra, unless they're selling the meat and selling it very high and selling it where they're making lots of money again. So you know those things are very positive. I you know big numbers, an imbalance of supply, even I would say in Texas and Kansas, still largely due to the fact that. The drought pulled those cattle ahead. They weren't able to be on wheat pasture, and so now they're ready now instead of being ready in September and October. You know, so I still we're doing the right things. We just got to slog along here for a little bit longer and get through this summertime deal.
0: We have a cattle on feed report, inventory report coming out this week.
1: Yeah, and for nerds like me, uh, I get a kick out of the uh, inventory report. comes out twice a year. Uh, gives you a whole list of stuff, including you know. Uh, dairy cows and heifers and beef replacement heifers and beef cows and calves. and um, So here's why it's interesting to me. Um, you remember the 2019 corn deal where we thought that the crop wasn't as big as they thought, and then it took a year and a half, and then, oh, oh, yeah, ending stocks number was way less. Well, you remember during the, the COVID pandemic, I sure do, when we were worried about all these cattle that were backed up, five six 600,000 of them, and I'm not sure they ever really have showed up. You know, so often these reports are about how they revise the last year's numbers. We're going to expect to see down numbers, less beef cows, less all that stuff. We know that has to be. It's just to what extent that they show it. Would, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what it'll look like on Friday.
0: Any big surprises that you think might be coming our way on, this, on these numbers?
1: um the first number i'm going to grab is the beef replacement heifers uh that's what i'm waiting to see catch uh you know when they start to rebuild that rebuilding phase so that we don't have to feed every female like we did this year
0: all right sounds good stick around folks we do have a lot more coming up as we continue the second half of the Fontenelle final bell on the rural radio network
1: it's time for the Fontenelle Feature. I'm Joe Gangwish with Fontenelle Hybrids. We caught up with new dealer Preston Smith from PJ Smith Seeds, who co-owns his business with his wife Jana in Northeastern Phelps County. So Preston, tell us about how you got started. We got started with Fontenelle in part for the excellent products that we sell out in the field, but also because of the great people within the brand. Everyone is so supportive and will do anything to help you succeed as a dealer which in the end helps the customer succeed. Well, you did a lot of research. Tell us how you decided on Fontanelle. I really like the focus on Nebraska and, and products that work locally. As I started to make contact, I just really felt at home with everybody that I met within the brand. And I know you hear the, the Fontanelle family get used a lot, but that's really what it is. It truly it really does feel like a family. If you'd like to join our Fontanelle family and become a dealer, just contact us from the website at fontanelle.com gap up here now chart looks really really good. Um, you've got I think the fundamental side of it where you have the reality is the cash is strong. Um, and now whether it's the heat by itself or whether it's the cost of gain or whatever it is, but we've got average weights on the hogs below a year ago. Uh, so we're getting nice and current too. There's a you know an extremely fine line between too many and not enough you know so once you get to the point where maybe maybe there's just a little bit of leverage that there's not quite enough I say that tongue in cheek when you're killing this many yeah you know every day but um, that that's what you get you get this kind of a market here now I I would be a little careful um, because in my opinion you know some of what created this little bit tightness in the numbers um, would you know relative to the the um, production problems, uh, difficulty sourcing feeder pigs, uh, empty barns. You know, we heard, heard all about it. Uh, usually, periods of low productivity are followed by periods of high productivity. And we're starting to hear some reports of that, where some of these feral units where they were struggling mightily before now are starting to get past this this disease cycle. And so, you know, we've kind of got our hedgers on, on alert for, you know, next spring and, and summer especially to keep an eye out on these prices here.
0: As you look at that, and I mean, obviously, you look at the, the movement, both cattle and hogs. Do you see any concerns that we should be really focusing on as we finish up the summer months?
1: Um, I think as long as we, I think we've done so many good things in terms of, of, of pulling our supply forward that um, I don't think we can screw it up. I say that, I guess, and then something would happen. But, you know, you've got too many factors. I mean, the cost of gain, even though the corn's come down some, is still high. Um, and the one thing on the on the 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 deal too is that the weather is, is is influencing these guys, I think, to try to stay a little bit more current as well. So um I think when you get backed up, you know, when you get hogs backed way up and they're weighing three, four, five pounds more than a year ago, or cattle like you referenced, <clears throat> it seems like it takes forever to get through that backlog, right? I mean it takes way longer than you think. Conversely, I think the, op- the other is true, too. When you get real current and get pulled forward, you know, where you're selling next month's hogs today already, that actually lasts much longer than what people expect, too. So that's a positive thing. So I think we're in pretty, pretty good shape supply-wise coming up here in the next two quarters.
0: What about export? I mean, demand has been, for the most part, very good for, for both cattle and well, hogs.
1: Uh, yeah it, yeah actually a positive export number last month for the for the cattle that we exported more than we imported uh demand without question has, has stayed good both domestically and globally uh the pork always has this um you know this this look over its shoulder of oh boy what if there's some moves out of china and this China zero covet policy baloney you know where they oh we might not import anymore because you know we might have to short a, uh, shut a port down again is annoying but um, I, I think that that picture is all right, but on the pork thing specifically, being that you brought it up, we've had two months in a row now where it looks like, according to the Chinese, okay, uh, yeah, that you've increased their herd size. They're still below a year ago, but they're, they're starting to rebuild that deal, so we need to keep an eye on it. Right now, they're still 6% less than a year ago, so I don't worry that it's going to change things overnight, but it's, again, one of those long-term deals that we've got to be a little sensitive to down the road on the hog thing.
0: Real quick, before we jump over to the grain side, do you have any concerns because of the heat? I mean, we're talking from the Dakotas all the way into Texas. Is that going to be a stress factor the markets are going to care about?
1: Well, I think it, especially so on the cattle. Um, I talked to a friend of mine in Texas today, and it's uh, he said, well, it's not the worst it's ever been, but it's close. Um, here, actually, we're a little bit fortunate. They've pulled back some of the big temperatures up here, um, mm-hmm. still warm but not excessively so um to me, what's going to happen here is we've got to watch, see once if these guys can get enough grass, wheat going in the south to have uh, graze out to your potential for wheat. Um, and, you know, we're kind of out of season on the wheat, um, so that market actually ought to probably gain a little bit against the corn here for a minute, it would seem to me. Uh, but I don't know. You know, they've advertised this round of weather so long and hard. I hope it's part of our market, uh, and I hope it's not as bad as they, they're predicting.
0: So, as we look at the other side of it, is it a big deal and being factored in for the grains?
1: From one moment to the next, without a doubt. Uh, July isn't July unless you're trading every and, and hanging on every every forecast that comes out. Um, you can see the market's reaction when we pulled back on the, the severeness of the heat and then added a little bit of moisture chances here into the weekend for the Western Corn Belt. Uh, and that Western Corn Belt is the big question mark, in my opinion, uh, the Central and Eastern Corn Belt is in pretty good shape for the most part um
0: all right what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you brad
1: hey give us a call if you'd like 800-358-3047 thanks again for having me on well
0: thanks brad i always reminding folks commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors and that is the fontanel final bell being brought to you by fontanel hybrids and all their local dealers on the Rural radio network